Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to VidFriends Blog Talk Radio podcast, Living Life and Love. I'm your host, Mark Braxton from Raleigh, North Carolina. Thank you all for listening today. We greatly appreciate it. For more information about VidFriends, which is our national vitiligo support community, visit vidfriends.org. And if you have questions, comments, or concerns, you can email us at support at vitfriends.org. I'm going to go ahead and welcome Kristen to our show so we can get started with our conversation. Kristen, welcome. Hi, Mark. How are you? I'm doing great. Cannot complain. Um, it's a nice day today, um, despite all the rain we had, and it's football Sunday. My team is winning, so things are great right now. <laughs> there you go. Good. How are you? I'm good, yeah. Also enjoying a nice quiet weekend, but missing good, the good. weather that we had last weekend up here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can imagine. So before we get started with our conversation, go ahead and introduce yourself and tell our listeners where you're calling from and any other information you'd like to share, then we'll get right into our conversation. Sure. So I am calling from Lexington, Massachusetts. I'm from here, was born and raised here, but my parents are originally from Sri Lanka. Um, and my grandmother had vitiligo. I don't, but um, I grew up learning about vitiligo through her eyes, and that's how I got involved with Vit Friends in Boston. Um, I graduated from Tufts University in May of this past year, and now I'm applying to med school. So I'm waiting to see where I'll end up next, but hopefully we'll be able to continue my work with Vit Friends through med school. Awesome, awesome. So I guess that's where we're going to start our conversation. So. Uh, what inspired you to choose the medical field as your, you know, future career? Definitely a lot of personal experience. So seeing my grandmother with vitiligo and I have a cousin who suffers from severe autism and thinking about how I would like them to be cared for by others inspired me to want to do that for other people who have family members who are suffering from different conditions and people who require help in that way. I think there's something special about medical professionals want to make a difference, not just for one single person with an issue, but also communities. So seeing some of the doctors who work with fit friends even and how they want to make a difference for everyone with vitiligo is really inspiring. Awesome. Here's a question. Uh, how did you get in- involved with fit friends and how long have you been involved with this? So a little over a year ago, I uh, contacted Valerie, and I, I was writing a senior thesis about vitiligo in um, the anthropology department at Tufts, and my question kind of was centered around an experience that I had with my grandmother, where my cousin from the other side of the family came to visit my grandmother with me, and he looked at her when she was completely depigmented, and he said, oh, I had no idea that you were a quarter Italian. Oh, wow. And okay. Seeing how he took her skin color as an indication of her identity, her culture, was something right. that stuck with me, and that's what inspired me to write my thesis, asking whether or not a loss of pigment correlates to a loss of identity. Right. So I wanted to interview people with vitiligo who had experienced this loss um, and really just hear their stories and see if anything lined up between everyone's experiences. And I started just with a simple Google search and found Vit Friends Boston. 
and got in touch with Valerie and started attending meetings and got to interview 12 members of BitFriends from around the country, which was a great experience just getting to know them and also getting to hear these stories of how each of them dealt with their depigmentation differently. And that was going to be my next follow-up question. Like, what, what, what was your experience, you know, working with BitFriends? And, you know, as you just said, you had an opportunity to meet 12 people in the interview and to find out their stories, um, which I feel like is very important. You know, uh, if more people would do that, they would have a better understanding of our condition um, and mm-hmm. how we live with it. So in your interviews with people, what are some of the the things that you can take with, you know, in your journey into the medical field, just knowing people or talking to people with vitiligo? There are definitely a few main takeaways. The number one one being that calling vitiligo a cosmetic condition is minimizing the psychological effects of losing your pigment. I think people assume that treatment is just to make yourself look better. But in reality, the skin that we live in is the outward form of our identity in some ways. And I think a lot of the people of color who I spoke to felt like they were pushed to the outside of their communities in some way because of that loss of pigment and that loss of outward identity. Um, And I think that's something that doctors need to pay attention to is that it's not just the cellular and scientific and biological things that we need to pay attention to. It's how these conditions affect social lives and affect a person's ability to get up in the morning and go to the grocery store. Right. Right. And that's the part I think some people don't get is that it's more than just our skin that's affected. Like you said, psychologically, emotionally, spiritually, all these different levels impact us, you know, with our vitiligo. And even if we, repigmented, we still have those experiences that that bother us, that, that, you know, makes that decision whether I'm going to get up and go to the grocery store, whether I'm going to wear a long sweater, whether I'm going to go to the beach, you know, all these things. And I know some people think, oh, it's no big deal. It is a big deal for people living with vitiligo. Right. So on that, um, you talked about your grandmother, and, and I want yes. you to talk a little bit more about um, – your grandmother's journey, what you remember, um, her experience, and maybe talk a little little bit about the impact that you saw. Yeah, so she was affected by vitiligo very late in life. She was in her mid to late 40s. So she had lived a whole life pigmented, and she had created her communities. She was very Catholic. She would go to church multiple times a week. Um, And a lot of that went away with her vitiligo. I think living in a country like Sri Lanka, there are things that people value there that are not the same as the things that we value here in the U.S. Right. Um, And skin color is one of those. There's a lot of colorism in South Asia where fairness is valued. So, like, light skin puts you at a higher social level in some ways. And marriageability, like the ability to marry off a fair daughter versus a darker colored daughter is something that is very present in the culture. So her losing her pigment, which she would have been considered fair, I guess, (laughs) by their standards in Sri Lanka, um, losing her pigment meant that she felt like she was losing her beauty and a part of 
her value as a woman, as a person. Um, And she stopped going to church, which was something that was really important to her, which I think says a lot when something, something that you can't control makes you almost, I guess, lose your faith in some way and lose something that really is a big part of your identity in being religious. But that was, that was kind of what I've heard from family members about her. And then my experience with her is that she was just a very quiet woman. She didn't participate in a conversation necessarily unless she was spoken to. And I think a lot of the people I interviewed, it seemed like had similar experiences where they made themselves kind of take a back seat in social situations, which is really, it's heartbreaking. It's devastating. And, you know, and it happens a lot, you know, in our community where you become a self-introvert, sort of not by choice. It's because you're vitiligo. You know, it happens, and and it's not the case for all people, but you talk to members in our community, you know, you'll have some say, yes, I I don't want to be around people. You know, I want to be by myself, and I don't want to be seen unless I have to go out into the community. And and I don't think everybody understands that. They just, well, it's just, you know, it's no skin, it's just a skin, no big deal. Come on, hang out. No, I don't want to hang out because of my skin. And you don't get it. And to force somebody to step outside of their comfort zone when they're not ready can do more damage than anything else. And you mentioned two things that um made me think about it. You said beauty and value. And Mm -hmm. that's something else people don't understand with the vitiligo community. And for our listeners that do not have vitiligo, yes, it can make you feel like you're unattractive. I don't care how beautiful you are. When you start to lose your skin color, you start to – it chips at your self-esteem and brings about these insecurities. And no matter what somebody else says, oh, you're pretty, you're beautiful, you're this and that, it doesn't matter until you're able to accept it. Um, And I think that's one of the big challenges in our community. And I I think that's why it's important to have good friends and other organizations and to reach out to the outside community to show we are beautiful people. Our skin looks different. That's all. And value and value us for who we are because once again, when you're losing your pigmentation, it, you, kind of lose a part of yourself and you feel like you're not as important as you used to be. And and I know once again, it's different for every person. So I can't speak for the entire vitiligo community, but that is a part in the reality of members within our community. We go through that. Yeah. And on that, I think representation is something that's so important in the media, like being a South Asian young girl there were no dolls with brown skin there were no right. tv characters that i could connect to disney princesses that i could connect to right and i think for people with vitiligo too now there's more models there's winnie harlow there are people who are out there showing people that vitiligo is beautiful it's different but it's right. beautiful um but i think that representation especially for kids is so important absolutely it, we have a long ways to go for that. We do have the Barbie, Mattel Barbie doll. Yes. yes. And which is, which you can barely find now, but if you can find it, it's there. But I think across the entire spectrum of children's programming, toys, whatever, 
we should have more representation. Um, and I think that will normalize your skin looking different. Absolutely. Now, you also mentioned um, your grandmother's vitiligo started later. And I started thinking, I said, you know, more devastating to have vitiligo later in life or as a young child growing up with vitiligo. And, you know, you don't know. I think for each person it's a different experience because I know some people that they've had there since, you know, they were young, but they still, you know, have that journey well into adulthood. Mm-hmm. But for some adults to look a certain way, you know, through high school, college, and then your adulthood, and, and then your, your late 40s or 50s, you're getting vitiligo, it can be devastating because, you know, you lived your whole life looking one way. You look at pictures, and then you look now, it's like, wow, I'm not even the same person. Right. It's funny with the people who I interviewed, it was an even split pretty much between people who had vitiligo as a child or who developed it later in life. And I think it seems like the people who developed it later in life kind of found this new identity as I think Alicia had once called it a vitiligan. um, Right. (laughs) Which is interesting, creating a new community and a new identity around this condition that affects you versus somebody who grows up with it from a, from childhood, I guess that's who you are from the beginning. You don't have to reinvent your identity. And and it is, and and it is, and it's hard. Um, You know, as someone living with vitiligo, you know, even to this day, I still have my days where I look in the mirror, I'm like, uh, but then, you know, then I'm at a point too, where I'm going, it's my skin. So I'm still going to go outside. I'm going to do all these things that, I didn't do for 20 plus years, you know? So I, 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 I can't say for every person, it's a different journey. Now with um, your grandmother and her journey, um, did it affect you in any way to see, I, I'm not sure if you remember like before she had vitiligo to when she developed vitiligo and did you witness any of the change and how did it affect you? So I was not born until she was pretty much completely depigmented, but I know okay. my dad, he left Sri Lanka when he was quite young, when she was still completely pigmented, vitiligo hadn't affected her yet. And then when he returned to the country years and years later, he came back to a completely depigmented mother. Oh, okay. So I think for him, okay. it was much more, he left knowing one version of his mom and came back to this person who had vitiligo, who was much quieter, much more reserved than right, she used to right. be. And, and, you know, and that's another part of the journey. Um, you're going to have people love you regardless, but you're also yeah. going to have those challenges <laughs> where people remember you one way and then they see you the new way. Sometimes they think you're, acting new, being new, because you have, it it almost changes your personality as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and I think that's just a part of vitiligo in that journey. It, it can affect you in so many different ways and where somebody may have been outgoing, then it changes where they're not. And then they may hit another um, time in their life where they change completely and they're outgoing again. So, it's really hard to pinpoint one particular spot where, where this person is going to be this way because of their vitiligo 
or that way. Now, with your dad, did he ever talk to you about your grandmother's vitiligo, or did he just kind of leave it? Or did your grandmother ever talk about her vitiligo? She didn't as much. My dad, I think, they they say that it skips generations from a few sources. I don't know if that's a confirmed thing, but I think right. he always was a little more like attentive to anything going on with my skin because he was like, oh, right. like, there's this chance that I'll develop vitiligo because my grandmother had it. But he never really talked about how it affected him, um, right. her, her vitiligo. But I know as soon as I started getting interested in the research, I could see him he getting more more invested in hearing about other people's stories. And my grandmother passed away several years ago, but I think okay. in a way it feels like a connection for me to my grandmother and I'm sure for him to his mother as well, kind of a, right. like a tribute to her. Okay. So I have a few more questions. I'm keeping track of my time as well. Um, sure. As you continue in your profession, what do you want to see happen with, in the vitiligo community as you start to research more about the, the skin condition um, treatments and all that? A lot of older adults. So in terms of the community, I think making sure that people of all ages are looped in somehow, no matter how, how they communicate. So like the older adults, I think it's more landlines than emails, but making sure that it's accessible to people because I mean, I wish that my grandmother had had something like this community because it would have given her a sense of belonging. I'm sure. Um, So that's something that I would like to see for sure. And it's interesting. The thing with treatment, I think is that I've seen how beautiful this community is and how wonderfully welcoming you all are to people with, without vitiligo like myself and with vitiligo of course and I I wonder if there is a cure for vitiligo will this community still exist um right and how will that affect the community but of course I hope that by the time that I'm and have had a career behind me I hope there is a cure for vitiligo I hope that the people who want to repigment are able to I think that that's important that there's a choice in it. Right. And, and, you know, that is, I've talked to a few people within a community um, and some, yes, would love to have a cure. And I understand it. Um, I had mixed feelings about it in the beginning. You know, I wanted to repigment, you know, but now I'm at a point where I don't want to take away my story. You know, although I can always, you know, share my story, but I feel like at this point in my life, vitiligo has become so much of who I am, my journey, that I don't want it to go away. You know, it gives me a talking point with people now. Oh, what happened to your skin? Oh, it's called vitiligo and blah, blah, blah. And and people are curious, you know, how did it change? You know, who are you as a person? It's just my skin, you know. But I can't tell, you know, the, the challenges I've had with it as well but I can also share those triumphs. So I think it's going to be different for every person um, that if they came up with a cure, whether they want it or not. And, and I think within the community, and that's perfectly fine. If you want the cure, you know, you have to do what's best for yourself. If you don't want it, once again, you have to make that choice for yourself. And either way, you're still going to have a story to tell. Having that option 
is something that I hope for, especially for, for younger people. I think as they grow up, their opinions might change, um, their choice right. might change, but I think that's important for sure. And I think one thing that's different, um, just within the vitiligo community itself, I remember growing up um, high school, I only knew one person with vitiligo, that was Terrell. When I got to college, I knew two people. It was Terrell and a fellow named Mike. But beyond that, I didn't know anyone else in the community. And I might see a person every now and then, but now I'm starting to see more people, and I'm going, wow, there's a larger community out there that I've recognized. Um, and I credit a lot of that to joining the support group and acknowledging, you know, this is my condition and there are other people out there with the same condition. Not to say I'm looking to find these people, you know, like, like there's some mysterious um, myth out there. No, I, but I do recognize, oh, that person has a bit of LIGO. And I'll speak, you know, um, but I don't always pressure people because as we talked about before one of our podcasts, not everybody is ready you know, to have that conversation. But I do feel like um, part of our community, we hide sometimes. And when we have kids, we protect the kids because um, you don't want them to go through, you know, the bullying and all that. But with modern times, I think we are, we're on a different level with how we respond to, you know, people who are different. And it's so, I think people are willing to accept your skin looks different. I'm still going to like you. I'm going to get to know you as a person. Uh, so I, I think we're, we're in a good place, you know, as an organization, uh, Vet Friends and other organizations out there. And then when having the, the med students on board, that broadens the knowledge out there because now you guys are learning more and you take it out to the community. Definitely. So I really I, see even, it growing. Right. I work in a hospital, and I sat next to a man in the cafeteria who had vitiligo very visibly. And I, I almost said something, but then I stopped myself because, as, because I don't have vitiligo. I feel like saying, like, oh, I work with this support group. They're a great community. Right. I don't know if you're interested. It's, there's a little bit of fear because I don't want I, – what I – talked about a lot in my thesis was that vitiligo is a very visible condition so there is this feeling of like a gaze upon you at all times right um, and I never want somebody to feel like oh like I'm talking to you as a research subject like obviously not I'm talking to you as a right, person right. as someone who, who cares about those with vitiligo especially because of my grandmother and and we don't want to also feel like the mysterious human that exists on this planet. Ooh, there's a person with the skin, you know, just right. Talk. They just talk to us, but also, like you said, you got to proceed with caution because you don't know how this gentleman's going to feel or anyone you approach. Um, Cause not everybody's on the same, at the same place, you know, with their vitiligo, you know, some people are just working. I can go to work all day and I'm fine. But once I go out to the public, it might be a different story. So you got to be exactly. very cautious, yeah. very careful of that. So my last question, then I'm going to go to a few announcements before we wrap up. Um, if there was anything about vitiligo that you could change, not about the groups, but just about vitiligo, what would it be 
And then at the end, I want you to share something positive with our listeners. Sure. Um, Anything about vitiligo that I would change? I think it seems like the speed of depigmentation was something that people talked about a lot in my interviews. Uh, There were a few people who experienced like very rapid depigmentation where some had just one single spot for several years and then they would have another spot a couple years later. I think if that speed of depigmentation was just a little slower for everyone, it would give people right. a little time to, to understand what's happening rather than feeling so out of, like, something is happening to them that is completely out of their control, which, of course, it is out of your control. But to feel at least a little bit more like you can take your time to cope before completely depigmenting or having depigmented spots all over you. Uh, right. It, it's be, hard. Yeah. It goes so fast. I mean, to be honest, I can look down like, oh, there's a spot. Wow. Where did that come from? Overnight. Right. And, I, and right. I don't know if that something dealing with the science of it, like when you're sleeping, your body is shut down and, you know, what's happening. I really don't know. But literally I can look and overnight and I wake up the next morning like, oh, there's a spot. There's another one, you know, or spots connect. So it's just one of those unique things about vitiligo. So as you move forward in your research, let us know what you find. Will do. Anything you want to share? um, So I am supposed to go to Singapore on a Fulbright scholarship as of January to do some more research on vitiligo on a more biological level. So I'm hopeful that this lab that I'm going to work with has found cure, almost a cure, <laughs> for melasma, which is pretty much the reverse of vitiligo. It's a hyperpigmentation. Um, so people have dark spots all over them instead right. of depigmented spots. Um, but they've been very successful in clinical trials with pigmentation. So okay. I'm crossing my fingers that this is something that is going to be applicable to the vitiligo community. Awesome. Well, well, you know what? Definitely keep us in t- keep in touch with us and let us know what's happening. And you know, if you discover something, we'll make sure we put your name in the lights. Hey, she was a part of our group and all that. <laughs> um, let me share a few announcements before we close for the community and for our listeners who are not in the Vitiligo community. We are having a a Turkey Talk Zoom storytelling event this Friday, November twentieth. It is open to all people. I will post it on my page um, in probably within the next hour or so. It is in the Vitiligo events tab. If you're a part of um, the VitFriends uh, community, please join us. You can join us live on Zoom, or you can also watch it on Facebook Live. We had a good time for our October event. We're going to have a great time for our our Turkey Talk for November. Then also our next podcast is November 29th with one of our Vitiligo members, Jeremy Ward, and that's at 2 o'clock p.m. Then, um, November 29th at 6 o'clock p.m., we're having our trivia challenge. It is open to Vitiligo members, friends, family, the community. It's open to everybody. So I'll share that on my page with um, the login information. So we just want to have a good time. And what we're doing as a community is reaching out across the lines and just reaching out to everybody to show all people that you're welcome to share with us in our journey as well. Kristen, I appreciate you coming on board. It was great. 
Uh, I'm going to wrap things up because if I don't, the system will cut us off. But once again, greatly appreciate you coming. I appreciate you coming on board and um, continue to work with our community. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Thank you very much. And to our listeners, you take care. Have a safe Sunday. Remember to wear your mask, wash your hands, and remember to distance yourself. Be safe and talk to you next time. Bye-bye.